please be seated. And, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Lord has led us to this, this passage. And uh, again, according to his leading, I, do, I, I hope to have one more message from the last verse of the chapter, which is one of the most precious scriptures. And in fact, we'll include that in the reading. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you follow along, starting verse 17, that's the verse that we looked at last Sunday. But we need to read it again to get the context here. What, the, what Paul is, through the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit through Paul, is uh, seeking to impress upon the church at Corinth, and then, of course, upon us as well. Therefore, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for this passage of Scripture today that is before us. We're thankful for the truth of it, dear Lord. And I do pray for on the help of the Holy Spirit and bring forth this message today. And, and Lord, you know how much I need that and depend on that. And so I pray that you would give that grace today to the preacher, but also to the hearers and listeners, that they might take in the Word of God and that it would do the, the work in each of our hearts, Lord, that you would desire that it do. I just want to thank you for Paul and others down through the centuries that were faithful in giving the gospel. I want to thank you personally, Lord, for the the Ely family, the McCulloughs, and Lord, those in Springville who took an interest in a little eight, nine-year-old boy lost and, and uh, got me to Sunday school, but most of all got the gospel to me, and I just thank, I'm thankful for that. Many others could testify this morning of being thankful for an individual or individuals who brought God's word to them and would help us to carry on that principle from God's word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ambassadors for Christ is what Paul said, wrote in verse 20. And this brings back memories too, just that little phrase. I don't know how many of you remember the radio program on WPEL in the 70s, Ambassadors for Christ. Now I remember because after my parents got saved and started going to church on Sunday mornings, um, we would leave our house about 9.30 to be at the hook meet by 10 o'clock in the morning. It just so happened that 9.30, the, not, the verse would come on, now we are ambassadors for Christ. And, and that, was the, that was the name of the program. can't remember what the theme song was anymore, but that was a long time ago. But anyway, that program, it, was, it really was all about getting the word of God out and that sort of thing. Um, an ambassador... Think about that for a minute. An ambassador has quite a position. He or she has a great deal of authority and responsibility. 
just uh, just like this little curious about it, so I went online and I found out that right now the United States has 189 ambassadors representing our country around the world. I'm not even going to comment about that, what kind of job that must be these days. But anyway, um, not everyone can be a U.S. ambassador. Obviously, we've got about 300 billion people, we've got 189 ambassadors, that's obvious. However, every believer in Jesus Christ can be and ought to be. In fact, I would say that, that we are, just like the Bible says, we don't say we ought to be soldiers, it says we are soldiers. Now, we might be good soldiers, we might not be such a good soldier. Uh, we might be a good ambassador, we might not be such a good ambassador, but we are for believers. Um, interesting, too, that uh, the word ambassador literally means the definition of the word, an official representative from one country to another. Well, that's the English, that's the definition of the position, according to the dictionary. The word that's translated ambassador here is a form of the word meaning elder in the New Testament. And that word elder denotes, among other things, maturity and leadership. Um, as a position in the New Testament, the elder had the responsibility of ministering God's word and overseeing a flock of believers. And so there's, so it's a good, it's a good choice. I mean, obviously, every word in the Bible is a good choice because the Spirit of God inspired the word. But it's a wonderful way here that Paul represents his ministry um, and those with him. And so it was actually given first to the apostles, and they were elders. Um, Peter specifically says, "I am also an elder." So we, we, we won't go any further with that except to say that as ambassadors for Christ, we are literally sent from heaven, which is our home country, to represent Christ on this earth. And uh, did I say, I mean, it's pretty obvious, I think that an ambassador represents the home country to foreign countries. Now, our world is foreign in many ways, but you compare it to heaven, and it's really foreign, right? We, we live in a foreign world. The Bible says that we're, that we're pilgrims, we're strangers, we're aliens in this world, right? And so uh, we have a homeland, it's heaven. We've been placed here for a short time, and and uh, when we come to know Christ as Savior, we have our, our life takes on a whole new meaning and purpose and direction. You know, we talked about that last Sunday morning about the new things. All things are become new. All that we have, new. Well, uh, so today let's take a look at this subject of being um, ambassadors for Christ. First of all, there is in verse 18 the ministry of reconciliation. And, um, there is, a, there is a sense that if something is mentioned once in the Bible, that's important right there, that makes it important. But when something is mentioned about five or six times in three verses, we know that there's some real importance attached uh, to what is being said. And so, um, when we become saved, when we're saved, verse 17 says that, therefore if a man be in Christ, a new creature, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, so there's, the, there's a connection. 18 is the result of 17. And, as a new creature in Christ, old things passed away, all things become new, 
and all things are of God. So everything about our life as a believer is from God. He's, he's, and so, um, you know, there's a lot, we can look at that from God's end, that as, a, as, a, as, as God, our, he becomes our Heavenly Father when we're saved. And so he bestows upon us grace and, and abilities and gifts and so on to use. And he has bestowed upon us his word and the Holy Spirit and resources to use in his service. And so that's a great thing, wonderful thing. Looking at it from our perspective is that now everything in our life needs to be centered on God. Right? And in fact, you know, a couple of Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he says in Colossians, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. All right, so, all things are of God for us. And that's one, I mean, this is kind of looking at it from kind of a, a tangent in a way, but, you know, that's why, for us as believers, everything around us is so strange, or at least it ought to be. Yeah, all right, yeah. Um, anyway, let's, let's keep going. Who hath? All right, this is great. God has done something for us. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, the word, notice it says, God has reconciled us to himself. The word reconciled simply means this, changed from enmity to friendship. Right? Changed from enmity to friendship. Christ did that, God did that, by Jesus Christ. Alright, so, if God has reconciled us to himself, it means that something was, something was out of kelter, right? Something was wrong, something was off. Well, keep your place here, we'll come right back. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Um, Ephesians chapter number 2. As, as a reminder, most, for most of us here today, this is a reminder, but perhaps some, of, some, some have never grasped this, these great truths about God reconciling us to himself. And you know, this, all, all, the whole chapter is, is marvelous. But let's start in verse 8. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see that salvation is, is by the grace of God, unmerited favor, undeserved, not by works. It's God's gift. For we are his workmanship, verse 10, creating Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, and Paul is addressing saved Gentiles, um, uh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. Circumcision there refers to the Jewish people, the Hebrews, and, and there's a lot you know, we want for that. That at that time ye were without Christ. Remember that? Remember that time in your life? That at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
Remember what that was like? But now in Christ Jesus, you, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, that is, in other words, Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now in this context, although it's a wonderful truth that God has broken down the wall between us and him, that's not the focus right here. It's the, 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 the wall between Jew and Gentile. Right? We, we probably don't, we have no clue. As Gentiles, I don't think anybody here is a natural born Jew. We don't, un, we don't understand that as much as the Jews would. I mean, can I just put it simply? The Jews hated the Gentiles. Okay? No, 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 nothing to do with them. No contact whatsoever. Anyway. Anyway. So, so what? He did that. He, verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make himself of twain, one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Again, 17, he came and preached peace to you which were far off, and that's, all, that's referring to the Gentiles, and to them that were nigh, which was the Jews, and it's kind of interesting because even though they were, they, you know, you've heard that saying, so close and yet so far away, well, that, was, that was Israel. So close and yet so far away. Um, again, there's that enmity. In fact, the, the Jewish religion, the commandments and so on, one of the things that Caused that, not, you know, that enmity. There was a time when God said to the Israel nation, be separate from every other nation. So, because Messiah, I'm going to send the Messiah, there needs to be a clear a line, and so, you know, separate. But what after, now that Christ has come and he has died and shed his blood, God so loved the world, and in the, the point of that, I mean, this is this you can't miss this if you look here in the scripture. Um, what did G, what did Jesus use for Nicodemus as an example? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now that was for the Jews, right? Now remember they sinned and God sent the fire serpents and the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned. And Moses prayed and, and God said, Make a serpent, right? So he did that, and that was for the people of Israel. If they got bit by one of the servants, they looked upon the, the servant of grass, and they lived. And Nicodemus understood, I mean, he, he understood that, the history. And so God said, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the servant even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved Israel. That's what Nicodemus believed. No. God so, so, means in the same manner. I'm sorry, I don't know if it's you, but it's me. God so loved the world. That means the human race. They heard that he gave. So I've got son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, verse 16. And he said, right, let's look at and then he might reconcile both unto God, both Jew and Gentile, in one body, which is the New Testament church, by the cross, having slain the empty thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, <clears throat> and to them that were not. <clears throat> right? um, 
Now let's go one other passage, and that's in Colossians. But, it, but, but it's reconciled, reconciled. So make, make one again with those that were at odds. Certainly that's the case with us. We were at odds with God. We were the sinners. We were the ones who did wrong, not God. And so um, poems and books and things, hymn writers, they, 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 they only have it really correct when they say we're reconciled to God. As much as I love that hymn part, the herald angels sing, there is a mistake in there. There's an error in that hymn. Heart the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. No, uh, no. God's not reconciled. We're reconciled. Mm-hmm. God didn't do anything wrong. Right? Reconciliation is usually because two parties both messed up. And, but no, God didn't. So really, the right way to do that would be uh, sinners to God are reconciled. All right? it's not, I mean, maybe it's not a big thing, but it, it is because um, you know there are those who teach that I don't think Charles Wesley is one of them, but there are those who teach that Jesus, you know, he compromised a little bit. Uh, you know, he came here, he wasn't quite as holy as he was before. You know, that, that's, just, that's just not true. That, that's just, that's garbage. But anyway, we're reconciled to God, right? In Colossians chapter 1, um, verse 18. He is the head, this is Jesus, he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and all things he might have his covenant. For it pleased the Father that a him should all fullness well. And here's here it is, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And, uh, now, so, uh, Paul's talking about continuing as a proof of salvation. So, you know, it's not, this passage, I have to understand, the Bible does not teach that we are, that we are saved if, we continue. No, we continue because we're saved. Right? There's a difference. But anyway, but notice reconciliation. How do we do that? Through the blood of his cross. The blood that he shed in payment for our sins. And also the Bible says that he washed us. Revelation 1, he washed us from our sins in his own blood there on the cross. Alright? Okay, back to... Uh, um, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. So exciting that what God has done and what he offers to mankind. But it's more so back there, um, 2 Corinthians 5, he hath reconciled us, verse 18, to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Alright? So God, according to the verse, God does the reconciling by Christ through what Christ did on the cross. But who has the the ministry of reconciliation? Us, he says. Us. He's given to us. And us there, you know, at that very moment that this was written, you know, Paul's referring to himself and his co-workers. 
But obviously the application, you know, in that day there were many others who were working. There was Titus and, and there was Paulus and, you know, there was all kinds of those that were involved in the ministry. And I say by application to us as well. We're given here means delivered or committed. So, you know, it's, some, it's not like, you know, here it is. Do it and, you know, take, take it and do with it what you want. You just want to put it on the shelf. You know, um, no, it's not that idea. It's that which is uh, uh, committed, that which is delivered, okay? Now, so that's the ministry. The ministry there is the idea of service, um, a work for God that affects others, okay? Uh, obviously, we, we know this. We to be, I, I need to be reminded. I need to be stirred up, and, and I know you do too, that, you know, we know that Jesus Christ is not here in the flesh. He's not on earth ministering like he did when he was here and the disciples and everything like that. You know, God does not come off the throne from heaven and come down here and witness to people and tell them about, tell them we're God. No, that's human instrument. God doesn't even use angels to do that. And that's, God chose that. I mean, he chose, he chose to use us. He chose to use his people to do this ministry. This work, right? I think about the word work. I think about when Jesus said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, people of that day um, knew what it meant to work. There were vineyards and there was you know, all kinds of stuff that involved work. Anyway, so laborers, laborers. That's all. That's, that's Christians. That's God's people. We're the laborers. All right, then we have the... Um, uh, the ministry of reconciliation, bringing sinners to Christ, to God. Right? Then, then, secondly, in verse 19, there is the word of reconciliation. To wit, to wit means that is, or more specifically, that God, here's referring to, you know, God the Father, God was in Christ. Now we know that he was personally in Christ, the Father was in him, He's God in the flesh, Jesus was. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and you know, all those things. But also it's the idea that what Christ did on earth and especially on the cross was God's plan and God's work. So God was in it. God was in Christ. He was directing him and empowering him and leading him. You know, he came uh, to do the will of God. He came on the mission that God sent him to do. And how many times, especially in the book of John, Jesus talks about the work the Father gave you to do. So God was in Christ. People, well, you know, and, and on the, you know, negatively, or whatever you want to call it, I think too about today, so many people, millions on, on this earth, are religious, and they, they claim that they're Whatever, they're worshiping God, or they're trying to find God, or some religions they're trying to be God, but they're doing it except for the Bible way. God was in Christ. There's no other, no other way. And the apostles, I mean, you know, obviously, <clears throat> the city of Corinth was like a world headquarters for, um, I started to say idolatry. I always get those two mixed up. I better be careful. Idolatry, I, adultery too, but. It was like a world headquarters of, of idolatry. They had every God imaginable. And so Paul says, no, 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 no. God was in Christ. Right? God's not in Buddha or Baal or, 
you know, any of the others. Allah, he's not any of those. God's in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No man come Father but by me. Right? Neither is salvation any other. There's none other name given under heaven. Not, not yeah. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We, we understand that. We get, but, you know, that's obviously one of the things. That's, that's going to be challenged. It's going to be criticized. And there are those in our country, our society, our government, our, our religious systems that would try to eliminate that message. If we, I'm starting to talk about what I was, what I was saying I'm going to do in the future. But anyway, but we, so we need to give the message. We need to be strengthened to give that message and to stand for it. Anyway. Now here it is. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, bringing the world into harmony and peace with himself. Bringing, reconciling. Now, not imputing. So, this is, this, you, might want, you might call this a dispensational principle here. What is God doing right now? What is God's main thing, if you want to call it that, that he's doing in the world. He is doing this. He's reconciling the world unto himself. Now get the next statement. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Now the word impute there means to charge or credit. As, as the word is used here, this word imputing... In Romans, a similar word, the word impute is also used, but the word count is also used. Um, and it is a, an accounting, it's a banking term. That's how it was used in those days. And, and you, would, you would count, or you would reckon, or if you were a creditor, or in this day, if you're a banker, or you're a financial person, you get somebody who has a ledger, and you and I have all kinds of ways of doing it today, books and all that, but when we get our bank statements, when we get our bank statement every month, and in one, there's the, there are the, there's the uh, deposits, there's the credits, right? And that's what's imputed to us, right? And on the other side of the ledger, there are the debits, there's the charges, right? And if your charges outweigh your credits, you're going to get one of those notices, right? Overdrawn, whatever. Well, that's, you know, that's the, that's the use of this term. And so the Bible says what God is doing right now. God, this, is, this is where we, where we find God's long-suffering and forbearance explained. Because right now, God is not charging the world with its offenses. God is not requiring payment is the idea. Because he's giving the world the opportunity to be saved and have their sins forgiven and all the marvelous things that happen when a person is saved. So we could say that God is withholding punishment. During this time of grace. And Paul refers to this Time that we're in started in those days and we're still in today. He called it the dispensation of the grace of God. And dispensation is a way of dealing. It's actually, again, it's where we get our word, English word economy. 
So it's the idea that God is dealing with the world in a certain way. So how is he dealing with the world today? He's dealing with the world today in grace and mercy and long-suffering. Opportunity to be saved. Now, verse goes on to say, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So in verse 18, he's given us the ministry that is the work of bringing people to Christ. But then along with that work and ministry, obviously there is a word, the word of reconciliation. That is the message. Right? The word translated word is the Greek word logos, which can mean a whole bunch of things. Jesus in John 1 is called the Word of God. That's logos. It's an expression, a manifestation. But the word logos only also means a spoken word, a message. Especially a message from God. And so in the New Testament, it talks about the apostles and others preaching the word. And normally that's the word logos, in other words, the message. So, not only has God given us something to do, he's given us the tools by which to do it. He's given us the message to give. And that message, of course, in this strict context, is the gospel. The gospel message to reconcile sinners to himself. All right? I think you got that. That's pretty clear. We, we yeah, thank God for it. We don't have to make up the message. Thank God he's given us the word. Now, all right, the lap number three. <clears throat> the work of, an, of the ambassador. All right, this is, this is such, I love, this is such a neat, such a wonderful, concise little passage of scripture. Paul says God's done something. God's, God's done something for the world, a great thing. He set Christ and Christ on the cross. His blood and his, his death, burial, his resurrection has provided salvation and reconciliation to mankind. Okay, so in order for that to happen, there has to be a work. There has to be workers. There have to be people to carry it out. And then there also has to be a message. And I, I don't know, I thought I didn't really have a chance to do this, but I, under, I understand that a lot of times our ambassadors, they have a message, they have something that they're, that they're directed to give. I, don't, I do not know how much leeway they have. Um, we have none, by the way. We have no leeway. He's given us the message. And we don't, we don't add to it, we don't take away from it, we give the message. And then here, in verse 20, here's an example. This is what it's like. This is how an ambassador does his work. No, look, look, this is great. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And again, the immediate context, the immediate statement, Paul is saying him. He's the one who ministered and continues to minister the word of God to the people of Corinth, the church of Corinth. You know, he was there in person, and now he's written to them. And he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff that he had to, to give them and, and, and deal with a whole bunch of issues in the church there, which is what the Bible is for. 
And so he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. In other words, it's God who's doing the work. It's God who's doing the beseeching. It's God who's doing the convicting. But it's by us. I said earlier, Jesus is not here in flesh to do it. Well, it's great. I'm not looking at my hair. Hang on. Look, see what it says. As though God did beseech. By the way, the, uh, the word beseech means to... Um, is the idea of plead or beg. And I just realized I forgot another word. In verse 19, he's committed unto us. And that's the idea to put or place or entrust or commit. In other words, again, it's a strong word. It's what God has done. So therefore, we're responsible for it. Now, as though God did beseech you by us, God pleads with you by us or through us. We pray you. We pray you. Again, that's to plead or beg. It's a very strong appeal. So Paul says, we pray you in Christ's stead. In other words, in his place. I thought about that too. In, in the Old Testament, in you know, the books of Kings, sometimes we talk about a certain king who died and so-and-so came and ruled in his stead. And that king took the other king's place, obviously because of death. Here, it's because Jesus has gone back to heaven and he hasn't worked for us. He said, we pray you in Christ's stead, in his place, on his behalf. And here's the message. Here's the, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And so there was a, there was a sense that <clears throat> There probably were people in Corinth, in the church, who were not saved. Then there were believers who were just all out there, all sort of, they just had so many misconceptions and so many compromises and so many things that they were doing. And Paul, Paul says, you, did, you need to be reconciled to God. You need to come back to Him. Be reconciled to God. That's His plea. That's His message. And his writings are full of that, full of that, uh, that concept of, of, of persuading. I persuade men, Paul said, wrote. Be reconciled to God. So there's a responsibility. We're ambassadors for Christ. There is a reaching out. We pray you in Christ that be reconciled to God. All right, let's go. Actually, I've got three more scriptures to look at real quick, and then we're done. Acts 16. Here's an example. And I love Bible illustrations, Bible examples. And here's one in Acts chapter 16. All right, Paul goes to Philippi in Acts chapter 16. So in verse 13, and on the Sabbath, there was a Jewish element influence. It's amazing to me. Again, it's a little kind of sad. Like everywhere Paul went. You notice that? When everywhere Paul went, there were synagogues and scriptures all over the world. Gentile cities. The influence is there. So he goes on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. In other words, a place where prayer was practiced. 
And he sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Okay? And a certain woman named Lydia, son of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. You see, so you see that? Paul is giving the message as an ambassador, and God is working in her heart. So God, so God took the message and used it in her heart. And then she was saved, baptized, and so forth. All right. Now, two other, two passages. Um, Matthew 28, the one we read. A reminder. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. We're very familiar with that. So I just want us to notice that, first of all, um, he tells them, Matthew 28, verse 18, he tells them the source, where are they going to find the, you know, where are they going to find the strength, the power, the influence? He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Matthew 28, 18. All power. Now here, the word power is the word for authority or dominion. In fact, in other words, it says the Lord of the harvest. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations. That's the word that means to make disciples. Or preach the gospel. And the idea there is bring people to Christ. We don't bring them to Christ. I understand. We don't save them. But God saves them like he did Lydia. And like he later would the Philippian jailer and his family. And then baptizing. See the, the evangelizing, the disciple making comes first. Make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them. To observe all things whatsoever can do, and Lord, we go even into the end of the world. Amen. So there's the, there's that ministry. Right? And that's very quick. But I want us to look at one more. That's Romans 10. Uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Sorry there. Romans 10, 9, this is the message that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Right, so, confessing Christ as Lord, and that, that would just mean everything that Jesus is and stood for. Uh, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Unless a person has to believe in the resurrection of Christ in order to be saved. You better tell him that he rose. All right? So if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does that mean? Well, we believe that he died and was buried, and he died and shed his blood on the cross, and then God raised him from the dead. For with the heart man believes in the righteous, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all. That call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By the way, let me back up just a second. Paul was a Jew. He was Hebrew, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Alright? I think and so he, you know, he really you know, loved the Bible says in, in Romans eleven, he Paul says, I magnify my office. Not me, but what God has called me to do. That, I, I magnify that. What a wonderful privilege it was for Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 13. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, it's somebody to tell. A preacher here just means a proclaimer. It doesn't mean a guy behind the pulpit, an official capacity. No, this talks about anybody. Acts chapter 8. Then they were that were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Now the Bible says in Acts 8 that they were all scattered except the apostles. So the official preachers stayed in Jerusalem. All the rest scattered, and they preached the word. Very, that's a very good, 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 good reminder. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And obviously there, there's, not, there's a connection there because the word gospel means good news or glad tidings. And so, hope and pray. If I pray for us, I pray for us. I think everybody in this room... You know, at least Monday through Friday, every one of you by name are in my prayers. I'm just saying, not to go, I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just say um, And one of the things I pray is that you will be good testimonies wherever you are. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe a little bit, but there's all kinds of ways. If you, you know, there's tracks out there, probably need to put the Christmas ones back, but anyway, um, you can put them in letters, you can put them in cards, you know. There's just so many ways to phone somebody, email somebody, talk to somebody in person. You know, there's so many ways to be a witness for Christ. And when I, let me say, when I, when I say witness for Christ, I mean go through the gospel. Now, I give out tracts. I'm not against giving out tracts. But, but I give out a tract if that's the only thing I can do. I don't consider giving out tracts to be a do-all and end-all. Right? If I can do more, I want to do more. Occasionally someone reads one and gets saved, I understand that. But, that. but the Bible way is for somebody to take the scriptures and open them to a person. So understand that. Again, please, I, we have tracks back there. I give them out, but I don't, I, again, I don't consider that my job to give out tracks. It's to give the gospel. So if I have the opportunity, I want to do more. I want to take the Bible. Understand that. I'm not against them. If I was, we wouldn't have them back there. But understand, we need to give the gospel. And I just wonder how many of you would like, would just maybe you do already, but how many of you would seriously consider and pray, ask God, how can I get the gospel out? How can I? Right? You know, we send missionaries, praise the Lord, He's given us the opportunity to send missionaries all over the world. But those missionaries are not going to reach the shop. They're not supposed to. They're, they're there. We're here. Right? So it's our job. Okay. So Whatever you do, you know, pray. Praying is, is a great help, and however we can be a witness. And I need help in that. I need God to help me. Um, you know, at least I'm not to the point now. There was a time way back when I'd go knocking on the door, and if nobody answered, then I'd leave something in the door. But, but I'm not to that point. I mean, I passed that doubt. I actually want somebody to answer the door. <laughs> but anyway, but we all, we can't do it without, without the Lord's help, all right? We just can't do it. And so please let's pray for one another um, that we can get the word out. And uh, that's, that's, all, that's all I'm going to say right now. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what Jesus Christ has done for us. And what he continues to do as our Savior and our, our High Priest and Head of the Church. And I just ask Lord, help me. Lord, I know I need to do better. Oh, man. I, I just pray, Lord, 
for opportunity, and, and even in these days, it, sometimes it just gets us. Where can I go? Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid of him some disease or something. You know, but Lord, you, there, we know that you're able. You're over all the stuff. You're above it. So just help us, oh Lord, to just follow my leading. And we would be able to get the gospel out. I'm thankful, thankful for many opportunities you give through funerals and different things like that. But God, the people around here, they need that, that personal witness. And I, just help us, oh Lord, and, and help me. And, and Lord, forgive me for the times when I don't do it like I ought to. And uh, when other things get in the way, um, even good things, Father, just help us. You know, you know what, what this, this, this church needs. And uh, that, that we just need to step up our outreach and our burden for souls around us. And again, it's in, in the context of what, what we're going through right now. We know, Lord, that you're, you're above all that. And please help us. Give us strength. Give us power. And we pray that you give us the ears of people and hearts that have been prepared to receive the truth. And we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, let's take our, our hymn books today. Please turn to number 368. 368, and, and um, let's stand, please, and we'll sing a couple verses of the This is one of those questions. <laughs> the hymn writer says, have I done my best for Jesus? And of course, I don't know anything about this hymn writer, but the answer to the question for him is no. The answer for us is no, because we're all limited. Anyway, I, you know that. I'm not trying to be picky. But well, it is a good question, isn't it? Um, have I done my best for Jesus? Let, you know, let's just sing the first and the fourth, and, and uh, I, let's just pray. I, Pray for one another. Um, I know prayer is not, not it's not something new. It's not a new doctrine. But uh, I've just been so burdened lately to pray. Um, and prayer is work. I'll tell you, real, real prayer is hard work. And so, just let's just pray for one another, um, and that God might use us. Um, no, I, one of the things that, that terrifies me is the thought that maybe God's ready to take His hand off our country. That's the worst judgment. That's worse than a flood or earthquake. Romans 1, he gave them over. He gave them up. We don't know if that's, we don't know. We have to keep working and praying and witnessing. Well, because we don't know that. Only God does. But I guess the question I ask God is, how much more can you take, God? And then, when we're running around here all frantic, I the verse says, he that sings in the heaven shall laugh. Anyway, I'm, I know I'm but let's, let's sing a couple verses, all right? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? Who Oh, 
that the service has been an encouragement, not a discouragement. Well, that was not my intention. I'm sure it's not yours either, but we just need to be stirred. And I pray that you will just uh, use your word, continue. Uh, use it to work in our hearts. Please watch over us now as we leave from this place. And we just pray for thy will to be done. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.